Again, to Bad Quaker Podcast, where liberty is our mission. I don't know what day this podcast will be broadcast, so I can't prod- podcast will be broadcast. So I can't put a timestamp on it, and I don't know what sequence it will be in. So I don't know what podcast number it is. It's Thursday, January seventeenth, two thousand thirteen, and this is podcast number two hundred sixty-one. Kai and I are recording this podcast via Skype. On Friday the 11th of January, I, like I said, I have no idea when we'll publish, publicize this, but my name is Ben Stone, and with me today is my co-host, Kai. Hello. And I'm in Alabama, and Kai is in Ohio. Uh, so This is a little bit funny, because normally it's me who's off sitting in the middle of the woods somewhere, and you're sitting at home. Yeah, um, and I am in... Uh, uh, in the uh, in the remote reaches of Alabama, we're like uh, I don't know, maybe a mile or probably a little bit more than a mile off of the actual waterline of the um, of the Gulf Coast in Alabama. So yeah, it's kind of weird. And the and the um, I, I've seen a lot of strange things down here. <laughs> For instance. The uh, the oak trees are more like California oaks than you know like Kentucky or Ohio or West Virginia oak trees, and they're you know they're they're like big in the trunk, really twisty and gnarled looking, and huge arm like uh, um, branches rather than the tall straight majestic oaks of of uh, you know of, of of Kentucky and Ohio. So it's more Merkwood and less Lothorian. Exactly. Yeah, and no, no white oaks. So that actually fits your your description there. Uh, they're all this weird, uh, whatever this black. It looks like a black oak of some kind, but I I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what the species is. They're very similar to the California live oak, though, but much bigger around at the base and much uh, a much bigger uh, canopy. Very very interesting looking though. I've not. You, I haven't spent a whole lot of time in Alabama. I've spent a little bit of time there, but um, mostly I've spent time in Louisiana and Florida, which are kind of on either side of Alabama. Georgia is kind of right there in the middle too, but kind of more not up north. Or not far from the campground that we're at, there's a place called Gator Lake. So that's a little interesting for us. <laughs> there was uh, um, there was an interesting in. Uh, Gainesville, um, there was this big like sinkhole, and uh, there were crocodiles that were just covering the whole thing. Like, um, we got pictures like standing right next to the crocodiles, and they're just like, "Whatever, dude, leave me alone." Like, crocodiles, not alligators. Crocodiles, not alligators. I hmm. did not think that there were crocodiles in Florida, and apparently there are. 
Yeah, yeah, there are. Because <laughs> I saw them. <laughs> um, these uh, these kinds of oak that they have here kind of give you the impression that at any moment you're going to see Arrow Flynn wearing green tights and a funny pointed hat standing <laughs> up on one of the limbs. I find it really humorous, being about Arrow Flynn, um, that so much of the, like, if you go to Renaissance festivals and you see people dressed as Robin Hood, you don't see people dressed as Robin Hood. You see people dressed as Errol Flynn dressed as Robin Hood. Like he, <laughs> he's the one who put together what Robin Hood looks like. And everybody else is just like, oh, that's what Robin Hood looks like. It's like They look like that guy. What's his name? Randy Courtier or something? Randy, um, oh, the Pan. guy. Yeah, the guy who plays Peter Pan in... In his entire life. Also have seen him at a Renaissance festival where he looks far less out of place, but <laughs> still fairly creepy. You know, if somebody looks out of place and creepy on the Internet, you can expect them to be really bizarre in real life. But oddly, true. oddly at the Renaissance festival, he fits right in. <laughs> no, he's still kind of creepy. There's just oh, something sure. about an old, old man dressed as Peter Pan that's just... You know, I don't know. <laughs> You're Unless judging. He's a fan, in which case, you know. I, I highly doubt that Peter Pan is an anarchist. <laughs> he might be. You never know. That's like those memes where they always show the hippie girl with the dreadlocks and then they like make her say something terribly liberal. I know a lot of dreadlocked anarchists, libertarians. <laughs> Just saying. So, uh, what's been going on in in Ohio? What's happening in your life? What's uh, what's the uh, what's happening? Not much. I'm definitely gearing up towards hiking the Appalachian Trail. I've got a month and a half left before that happens, so I'm excited about that. And February is a short month, so even less time. So, yeah, I uh, I did want to kind of talk about, I've been meaning to Facebook rant about it, but after having been so long where my main source of internet and my only source for Facebook is my phone, I find that I almost don't use a computer at all. I'll just use my phone. And it's really too much of a rant to type out on my phone. So I haven't made the rant yet, but... Um, but now I have a captive audience. Yay! <laughs> um, I've noticed that, and this is, it's coming from the people on my Facebook feed who are uh, both on the left side and the right side, um, status. But, uh, but actually not only status, but also some of the people who proclaim themselves as anarchists or, you know, um, not necessarily proclaim themselves as anarchists, but who are in the anarchist movement or the libertarian movement um, is that there's the whole, the whole mass shooting thing has been, um, you know, one person after the other assigning blame as to why it happened. Um, And, you know, you have the gun nuts saying that, you know, guns caused it and we need to ban all assault weapons and and then you have other people who are saying that it's the fault of the fact that they were all on prescription medication for mental health disorders and they're they're blaming the medication and saying that you know this is the reason why is because we have people on these 
terrible, you know, it, 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 the drugs bit, you know. And it really irritates me because, like, causation does not equal, co- or correlation does not equal causation. You know, you have people who are mentally disturbed. Clearly they're mentally disturbed. Otherwise, they wouldn't be walking into places and shooting up a bunch of people. You know, obviously they have mental health problems. And yet, you know, they, they try to get help for this mental health problem or, or uh, other people try to get them help. And so they go on these medications and either the medications don't work and they continue to have the mental health problems or the medications, um, you know, they're not on the proper medications. And so it causes side effects that causes them to get worse. But one way or the other, this is not... You know, nobody goes into a psychiatrist's office because they're perfectly healthy and gets put on medication. You know, they're right. underlying problem here already. And, you know, it, maybe the problem is that, you, that we have a mental health problem in this country, that we're not treating mental health properly. And, I mean, you can argue that. But the fact of the matter is there was already an underlying issue there, you know, and, and so that is the root cause of this. The root cause is not that they have access to guns or they were put on medication or whatever. That's not the problem. Like, the problem is that they have a a fundamental core issue that makes them the kind of person who would go shoot people. And and then in addition to that, you have all the conspiracy theorists who are talking about um, certain connections with... uh, you know, like for instance, the Batman shooter was uh, his father was connected to different people that were doing this and that with this scandal or that scandal. Some of that's been debunked with the um, with the latest shooting, but uh, but there are still inferences there that these were, um, you know, that the conspiracy people are saying that that um, that these were part of like MK Ultra type uh, CIA experimentations. And that's Which it's, it's really, but you know, that goes back to the main, you know, because they, the CIA and all of this have done tons and tons and tons of, of research. And a lot of them has been opened up because of the Freedom of Information Act, but you cannot take somebody with no mental health problems and no leanings towards violence and make them a violent person. Like you can enhance traits they already have. But you cannot make them that, you know. Yeah. Now, now, if we want to get into the issue of with, you know, with this latest shooting that happened at the school, um, you know, there was this whole all of these questions like, you know, the gun that the shooter used was in the car, but it wasn't his car; it was somebody else's car, and uh, everybody was reporting a second shooter, and then they said they had found the second shooter or whatever. All of the inconsistencies; uh, those are issues to look at because. You can train somebody who is not violent and not psychopathic and not all of this. You can train them to be a sharpshooter and a sniper and a marksman and put out a hit on somebody. You know, that you can do. Well, you can also, through drugs and hypnotism and suggestion, you can get somebody, like in the case of the, the latest school shooter, you can uh, get them to walk into a place dressed in a particular way and stand there. Well, your professional shooter does his work, shoots them in the head, then leaves. Yeah. 
And, um, and that's, you know, that's one of the um, accusations of the conspiracy theorists is you have this autistic kid who is very limited on his ability to communicate, his, his ability to function with people, and yet we're to believe that he has, uh, even though his mother never let him go and practice at the gun range like she did, he has this uncanny ability uh, if you count the number of, fi- of shots fired and the number of hits and the number of kills per shot and, and all these kind of details like that, um, unless we're talking about a, you know, a, a Rain Man type um, servant of some kind that is uh, unique to, to the assassination, you know, that, that would right. really take uh, a leap of the imagination. Right. Um, and that's where the conspiracy people on that particular one... Well, and, and uh, you know, even... Even in situations like that, where you have, say, an autistic person who plays the piano phenomenally, they can't just sit down and play the piano. The reason that they can do that is because within a very short period of time, they're able to focus on something and learn how it works. Um, And so in order to have him be able to shoot that well, he would have had to practice shooting, which... From everything that's come out, he has not. Yeah, and but it should be mentioned that when you're making an accusation that's extraordinary, you have to have evidence that's extraordinary. Yes. And what we're talking about here is not evidence that's extraordinary. It's it's circumstantial evidence. It's anomalies. It's weird things. It's explain to me why there's no video of this. You know, yeah, in, in a school that, that just because yeah, there's. There's really not any schools left anymore that aren't under complete surveillance. Yeah, and they had just gone through and redone all the security for that whole school, locked all the out exterior doors so that you have to come through the main office and get buzzed in. And yet, I mean, you know, there's some really goofy things here. But again, none of these are actual evidence. All of these things are are circumstantial anomalies or things that cause us to say there ought to be an investigation. Right. But um, but they're not, you know, nothing is, I hate to use this phrase, but nothing is a smoking gun saying, see there, it's the CIA. See, it's, it's uh, you know, the, the New World Order or it's the Masons or it's the, you know, it's the uh, Bilderbergers or the, or the aliens, you know, uh, Bigfoot did it. There's, there's no smoking gun that says absolutely this is it. Um, but to support the, ba- the, the, to support the, um, all of the paranoid, uh, you know, uh, conspiracy theorists, when you see so many different events that have so often are bungled this bad, then it's hard not to say something's going on. Something's not right about this. Well, and not only that, but, you know, if you have somebody who has a history of being truthful and honest and reliable and dependable, and their word is good, and they're telling you a story, and it has some weird, you know, that doesn't seem right, you can maybe think, okay, well, that's weird, you know, but you believe them because they have a history of being truthful and honest and trustworthy. But when you have, you know, a system that does nothing but lie, that lies about ridiculous things that they don't even need to lie about, that... The whole thing, when you see little details that don't add up, instead of saying, well, I'm sure that there's a reasonable explanation, you're saying, 
that's a lie. You're lying. Your story doesn't fit. You know? Yeah, exactly. We've talked about that before with things like, um, you know, if you take the government story on the uh, uh, the Roswell incident back in the 50s. Okay, well, you know, so in all likelihood, okay, we have a weather balloon of some kind or some kind of a, let's say maybe it was a, an attempt at some kind of secret um, secret spy thing or whatever. And what does the government do? Immediately, they, they resort to their knee-jerk reaction is to lie about it. And so this causes people to be paranoid and think, oh, no, it's aliens. Well, then their immediate re- reaction is to try to shut the story down. Well, then, first off, you say, well, it's crazy to think it was aliens. But then you watch the government's reaction to it, and you're like, well, if you people weren't overreacting so bad, I would think it's a weather balloon and only crazy people think it's aliens. But you're reacting so bad that now I have to actually consider the possibility that these alien people who are these, you know, the, the, the people who believe in aliens might actually have a story. And I'm saying that realizing I don't believe the aliens. I don't believe in the alien story. I don't believe it for a moment. I don't believe any aspect of the, of the alien story. But the government's tendency to lie is so embedded into everything they do that you never know. You know, is it is it a simple explanation that they're just trying to cover because they're a bunch of arrogant jerks and they won't answer to anybody? Or is it some serious thing that they are trying to cover and, and lie about? You, you just don't know. So, you know, so what do you do when you look at a school shooting where the none of the facts add up? Or when you look at the, you know, the collapsing towers on 9-11 and none of the normal story adds up? What are you left with? What can you believe? Yeah. Exactly. And, and there's no, you know, uh, yeah, it was 9-11. Exactly. You know, do I believe that the United States government you know, shot missiles at our buildings or used harp to blow things up? Well, I don't know because I have no ability to know because they have no record of telling the truth. And they have no record of telling the truth over things that are so obvious and so, like, like with the UFOs. Okay, so it's a weather balloon. So you're going to tell us it's a weather balloon. Okay, if it's a weather balloon, why not just be like, oh, yeah, thanks, that's a weather balloon. Have that, you know. Why storm in there and lock down the area and sweep the area and why do that? Unless there's something there that you're trying to hide, and of course, part of the answer, if you if you you know want to take off the foil hat and be calm, part of the answer is because they're authoritarian thugs and they can't handle the the possibility that they might have to answer to some worthless worm like you, citizen. Well, and also they're authoritarian thugs, and everything that they do is so important that they need to keep all citizens away from it because only they have the authority to deal with it. You know, it's that arrogance that's inbred with being placed as a god. And they, and that's really, you hit it right on the nail right there. You know, you hit the nail on the head is that whether they, you know, whether they consciously realize this or not, when you deify 
a group of people and put them in godlike positions, it's going to affect their um, their mental um, their uh, to to for lack of a better word their psyche. It's going to affect the way they think and the way they view themselves. And they're going to take on the man. If you treat somebody as a god, they will take on the mantle of a god and begin begin acting like a god. Yep. Let's break right here and save the recording in case Skype uh, dumps us. And we'll be right back after these words from our sponsor. Do you have an Amazon account? If you don't, let me encourage you to set one up. Setting up an account is free and it's easy, and Amazon has great prices, and in most cases you can avoid paying sales tax. Plus, if you're careful and lump your purchases together, you can get free shipping. And Amazon has almost anything you can think of, plus it's safer and cheaper than driving all over town. When you buy stuff, if you follow the Amazon link at badquaker.com, Amazon will give Bad Quaker a tiny portion of the purchase. It won't cost you any extra, but you'll be supporting this podcast. Thank you. Tom Woods Liberty Classroom is a collection of courses on history and Austrian economics. There are video and audio files you can download, you can participate in the discussion boards, and there are live sessions with Tom Woods and the other educators. Join Tom and his team and they'll equip you with one of the very best tools the Liberty Movement has to offer, knowledge. And you can get all this for just $99 a year. Go to badquaker.com, click on the banner for Tom Woods Liberty Classroom, and by using this link, you'll let Tom know that I sent you and you'll help badquaker.com. Thank you. And thanks for sticking with us through the commercial. This has been Stone on the Bad Quaker Podcast with my co-host, Kai. Hello. And we were talking about school shootings, conspiracy theories, aliens from space, <laughs> and <laughs> and um, and what was the logical fallacy that you were talking about that that you were having to deal with? Oh, it's people who, and it it really frustrates me because these are the exact same people who understand that you know the they'll post things that dietary cholesterol does not affect. Uh, blood serum level cholesterol or whatever, you know, and, and they understand that correlation does not equal causation, and, you know, this is the mantra of the real food movement, and yet they are the first people to jump on that logical fallacy when it suits their purposes. And that, I find that that, that actually sometimes makes me a little bit of an outcast because I don't like using logical fallacies, even if they work in my favor. You know, I, I faced that, uh, a different version of that, back in the 80s when I was going through theology school. And, um, and we would sit down, you know, we would have these all-night sessions. We used to call them uh, Bible marathons. And we would have all-night sessions where we would take... Uh, take different theological positions and either build them up or tear them down or or debate them in one way or the other or whatever and um, what you, what you would see it would really frustrate me what what you would see really often was that we would together we would all agree that this is the criteria this is the criteria for saying yes we will accept a particular doctrine and and we would lay out this criteria but then somebody would have some kind of a pet doctrine that they were holding on to, and then they would twist things to, to match what they already believe, their preconceived notions, and ignore the other, the, you know, the outlying evidence. 
um, and violate what they themselves had just agreed to was the standard we were going to use to to you know uh, to evaluate the doctrine. It was so frustrating to see otherwise logical people falling into this trap of well, this is what I believe. Now I'm going to look for evidence that supports it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very very frustrating because I feel like if your beliefs don't hold up to using a you know a, a logical scrutiny against them then they're worthless as beliefs you know they're not yeah, I, they're not something that you should be holding on to yeah all you're really doing is lying to yourself which is worse i think than lying to other people i think it is too because it's it's more time consuming it's more damaging it's more unhelpful yeah plus when you begin to to lie to yourself it breaks down your ability to, um, you know, to look at new things and evaluate them honestly. Because lies, I don't know, you know, lie, lying or mistruth of any kind is is kind of a poison that that twists your mind. I don't even know how to describe it, but it's like um, excessive alcohol use or excessive drug use, where it bends your mind to the point of where even days later you have a hard time having a clarity of thought. I, I, I think uh, intentionally lying kind of comes into that realm where it where it creates something in your brain that 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 prevents your brain from thinking clearly even after the event. I kind of view lying as um, walking across a field after a really, really, really heavy snowfall, like, you know, three or four feet of snow. The first time you do it, it's just as difficult as telling the truth. You know, it's, it, there's no, there's nothing that makes lying easier the first time you do it. But after you keep doing it, you wear this path down that makes it easier and easier to continue lying and harder and harder to use a path that is is not that you know you're using a snow metaphor i know i'm in i'm it's in alabama here i'm in alabama in january and it was 70 yesterday <laughs> it's 72 or something today and it'll be 74 tomorrow yeah well <laughs> hey i could have been in florida right now making money but i didn't want to go back to florida this year what is this snow of which you speak? <laughs> oh, fun times. So, um, Bloomberg. I talked about this on a podcast recently, but uh, I want to bring it up again. Bloomberg. I will not call him mayor because uh, because that's just disgusting to refer to someone I- I- with titles of honor like that, especially if it's someone that is uh, the kind of a low-life thief thug tyrant like Bloomberg, but he fancies himself the mayor of New York City, whether anyone actually voted for him or whether voting for him is even in any way remotely some kind of a, you know, holds any kind of legitimate thing. I'm not even going to address, I'm not going to soil my voice by addressing how illegitimate it is. That uh, that someone would vote first for someone like that to be their master, or that someone like that would take that mantle upon themselves. Did I did I say that in a with enough disgust in my voice? Did I did I? I don't know. You were kind of subtle with that. I don't know that our our listeners really get the full extent of your feelings. 
on, on the uh, on the podcast where I talked about what I'm about to bring up, I mentioned two possible things that the people of New York City would be doing right now if they were civilized people. The people of New York would either be dragging Bloomberg down the street by his heels, tying him up to a street post and beating him with plastic baseball bats, <laughs> or, or they would be dunking him in hot oil, rolling him in, in feathers, Dra- putting, strapping him to a rail, dragging him down the streets, and dumping him into the East River. But you know, but I'm I'm a peaceful man. I'm a, <laughs> ask around. I, I'm a man of peace. I you know, if anybody tells you that I'm not a man of peace, I want to know their names because I want to talk to them about it. <laughs> but, oh. but but you know, I, I'm not a good Quaker. <laughs> Oh, that's too funny. <laughs> but in, anyway, so Bloomberg, the tyrant, the thief, the the uh, the thug Bloomberg, he uh, he decided that emergency rooms in New York City were passing out too much pain medication. You, you mean you know pain medication because there are emergency rooms and people come in like you know in pain. Yeah, with like their legs cut off and their heads bashed open from car in accidents. New York City, like where. People get shot a lot. <laughs> yeah, New York City, where you're more likely to be beat half to death by a cop than a than a thief. Did I lose you on that one? You still there? Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Sorry. Okay, we we lost each other for a moment there. <laughs> Evidently, Bloomberg cut us off. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. Oh, anyways, what is what are the what do the fiends call that? Oh, the central scru- scrutinizer. Yeah, the central scrutinizer must have interrupted the recording. <laughs> they didn't they didn't appreciate that joke, huh? Anyway, so Bloomberg decides that he um, you know, his godness, his uh, the the most royal and worshipful Bloomberg whom sits on a throne and we are all to bow to has decided not only that uh 16 ounce cups of soda are too much for for the for the mundane, for the silly, for the uh, the brainless throngs that 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 th- that slug through his streets, his streets that he owns in his in his capital city of his domain. Uh, not only are sixteen ounces way too much for the mundanes to handle, but after his thugs, the New York City Police Department beat someone half to death, they shouldn't be allowed to have pain medications. They should feel the full extent of the boot of Bloomberg. Well, yeah. If they if they just go get some morphine, how will they learn their lesson? Their lesson about what? Like, not to look wrong at cops? Exactly. Our overlords deserve the respect that their position entitles them. <laughs> Mussolini. <laughs> well, yeah. I think that's and properly he- respectful. And his fate should be the same as Bloomberg's. Now, now. Thus always to tyrants. Although, you know, in the long run, that does not help anything. No, it it really doesn't. I got called on that the other day, you know, because I was like, um, fine, you know, you want to you want to take all everybody's rifles. You want to you want to come confiscate. Let's go. Let's dance. Mm -hmm. I hear the music. Let's go. And somebody was like. Um, that's not normally what you say. <laughs> yeah. and, and on a, 
on an individual label, uh, on an individual level, he's absolutely right. On an individual level, if you resist, they will just kill you. Uh, you know, you don't have a chance. You you can't resist a SWAT team. You can't resist the the ATF or the you know the FBI. You can't resist those people. They they will win. They will kill you. Yeah, I mean, well, look the, the, what they did to the Branch Davidians or Ruby Ridge or anybody else that they feel like murdering. Uh, all those long forgotten, and and this was long before. The evil Obama was in charge long before the evil George Bush was in charge. You know, this is back when, uh, when the happy couple, when, when, oh, you know, wonderful, lovable Billy was president. Mr. Good for our economy. Yeah, yeah, him. And when the Republican Revolution was taking place, remember that? The Republican Revolution? I do. Now, on a totally different topic from, you know, Bloomberg and uh, Mussolini and other tyrants that, um, you know, anyway. Um, <laughs> on a as much as you yeah. would like to violently revolt from, it's probably not yeah. best for future generations. Yeah, it's really better to let the dragon grow and let everyone see the tyrant and let him, you know, let everyone see that the that the emperor has no clothes rather than run out and, you know, um anyway, okay. <laughs> um so uh Max Abramson, I, my podcast listeners have already heard this because I've talked about it on two other podcasts, but I'm just updating you on it. Okay. Max Abramson was the guy up in New Hampshire who, um, uh, under a set of circumstances, ended up uh, drawing his pistol and firing a warning shot into the ground because there was a very violent um, felon, a man with a very bad record and a man known to resort to violence, who was in the process of, of beating up one person and then turned on Max and was about to attack him. And so rather than Max just killing the guy, which, you know, you might in hindsight, you might say, well, maybe he'd have been better off just to kill the guy. But rather than Max killing the man, which is a lot harder than most people think about, it's, it's really easy for Internet tough guys to say, well, you should have just shot him. But, but to actually kill a human being for a sane person to do that is much harder than most people realize. So rather than Max doing that, Max shot into the ground and it, um, it basically scared the guy away and he left. Well, then Max is facing six years in prison over this, right? Cause he's the bad guy because he didn't kill this thug, right? right. So anyway, so I was going to, I had Max on the interview on the podcast with an interview about a year ago and he told his story. And so I was going to have him back on again. And so I'm here just like talking to you and I'm talking to Max and we're getting everything ready to start recording. And I hit the record button and I do the intro. And as soon as we start talking, one of these Gulf storms rolls in on us and the rain was pounding down on the motorhome so hard that I couldn't hear Max through my headphones, and he couldn't hear me through through the microphones. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I've experienced a few of those. I've experienced a few of those in tents. Not fun. Yeah, tents. <laughs> in tents. In tents. <laughs> I've experienced a few of those standing outside holding tents up. <laughs> that's, you know, that's a story we could talk about in... Um, oh, in Idaho? What was that? 
Idaho. Yeah, where we had just made camp. We were uh, basically homeless and roaming around the country we having fun. We weren't homeless. We were camping. We were on an extended adventure. <laughs> and uh, we found a nice, quiet spot and where, where we wouldn't be hassled by the man. And we were setting up our tent and our camp and everything. And a storm came in, and we had to put Brian inside the tent to hold the tent down while you and Hannah uh, hid inside the pickup truck and I stood out in the rain and the hail holding the outside of the tent together while Brian stood on the inside as weight as dead weight to the tent to keep us from losing it. Yep. Yep. I I would like to say that that is the, my only experience in that sort of situation, but that would not be accurate at all. <laughs> Oh my! And then, what of course, life. you know, there, uh, my favorite story is the story about when we went um, on the reservation to that lake, and the, oh yeah, the what was it, the patrol or reservation police or whatever it was? Yeah, um, we were on uh, we were on the reservation at uh, Pyramid Lake in northern Nevada. And the interesting thing about that is because it is a reservation, it is, um, you know, it's a sovereign nation. It's the um, Shoshone, uh, Shoshone Nation, and it's you're not in the U.S. You are in Shoshone Nation. Mm-hmm. And so essentially everybody is deputized. <laughs> well, and it's, it's interesting because um, they're an independent nation, um, but they and, – and, and they don't – you know, they don't like require passports or anything like that. And yet there's no, um, like immigration problem. True. And and they don't tax their people. Yeah. Uh, are there roads? And they have roads. <laughs> they have roads. <laughs> Although not where we got our truck stuck at. Well, you know. But they, uh, they would just randomly, um, different members of their, uh, sheriff's department would, you know, pull up and charge you a camping fee. And, you know, if like whatever you had, five bucks, mm-hmm. nothing big. It wasn't big. The the extortion was acceptable. Well, I don't necessarily know that it's extortion. I mean, they're not forcing <laughs> you to be there. In, in, it's well, their yeah. private property. But they'll kick you off if you don't give them their money. Well, sure, but it's their private property. Well, is it private property if it if it belongs to the Indian nation? Is that any more legitimate than you know claims that the U.S. government has over ninety percent of Nevada? I don't know. At what point do you consider something a government and not consider it just a collective of people? Aha! Uh-huh. You sound like a communist. You use the word collective. Well, I mean, groups of people can still have um, property rights. You know, I don't, I don't have any issues with that. I will say that the state does not have property rights, but groups of individuals can certainly have property rights. Hmm, that's interesting. I'd have to think that through a little bit. I'm you know, not four sure. Four or five I agree. people get together. You know, if a husband and wife own a house together, then they both have property rights over that that house, and so you can have multiple people over the same property that both have equal property rights. So. Good point. You, know, you can bring that out further, and at what point do you bring that out to your furthest extent? You know, as far as I know, the reservation um, sheriffs do they carry guns? Uh, I believe they do. Actually, yeah. I think the ones that, that we saw were all walking around with rifles. But, but at the same but time, here's that's the thing. Their property too. So I don't know. It's a it's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting thought. 
Well, it the entire association is voluntary. Right. They don't have the, the none of the Indians are forced to live there. Um, they don't have to get permission to leave. So we're talking about a, a voluntary association, which is very much like a marriage. Right. So again, if you take two people are married and they own property together, they decide that together they, they agree with this and they own property together, then then two people can own property together if you believe in the right of marriage. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, then who are you to say that three people can't be married? After all, you know, even the, the hardcore biblical uh, scholar will admit that there's nothing biblically against having three people married. Right. So what about five people having a voluntary association? If five people can have a voluntary association, why can't 12? Right. Or now, now 10,000. Yeah. Now we start to get into a problem where we're, uh, I think we need to break here, save the recording, and come back on, on the other side of the break and talk about whether or not a corporation could exist without the force of government. Because That's a, a corporation... Thought. Yeah, because we're moving into the next logical step to say, well, then can a corporation own property? That's a good thought. All right. We'll be right back. Did you know author Taryn P. Lupo has a new novel out called One Nation Under Blood? When a rejuvenative blood technology is developed that pits the young against the old, the government must take firm steps to address the war of supply and demand brewing across generational lines. Blood is not the only thing bought and sold in this dystopian tale of technology, economics, and independence. Vampires are now very real, but we never expected them to wear our grandmother's best Sunday dress. BadQuaker.com uses HostGator as our web hosting service. It was fast and easy to get set up, and the support we receive is top-notch. They have helpful and friendly 24-7, 365 live technical support and a 99.9% uptime guarantee, and they have some of the best prices in the business. If you have a website, or if you want to have a website, check them out by going to BadQuaker.com and click on the button for HostGator. And thank you very much for supporting BadQuaker.com. So it's weird. It's weird here at the campground that I'm in because uh, you have kind of a variety of things that are going on around me. And I can hear them. It's probably not coming through on the microphone, but there's a little girl with a bicycle with training wheels. And the training wheels are really loud, and she's riding up and down the row in front of us. And she's just, she's just having a blast with her little bicycle with training wheels. In addition to that, there's someone shooting a rifle probably half a mile away, and I can hear them. Um, you know, they've got targets set up or whatever, and they're, and they're shooting a rifle. I can tell by the sound that it's a rifle. Mm-hmm. Then in addition to these things, every now and then, there's a lady here in the campground who has a cannon, and she shoots her <laughs> cannon. <laughs> like you do. And your mom was telling me, your mom was over at the uh, laundry, uh, doing the laundry, and the lady said, oh, by the way, I'm going to be shooting my cannon tonight. If you hear if you hear the cannon going <laughs> off, don't worry about it. And so, so your mom came over and told me, hey, if you hear a cannon, don't worry about it. And I said, you know... I'm pro-canon. I, I, I believe in canon rights. I, I support canon rights. <laughs> I, th- I think we should all have the right to have a canon. That's too funny. It would put me in a panic, I think, if I was at a campground and somebody shot off a cannon. I'd be like, no, I'm not awake yet. Hold on. 
it's not time to go to work. Well, you have to. Oh, yeah, because they shoot cannons at the. Have that response. <laughs> yeah, that's that's because they have cannon. They shoot a cannon off to signal the beginning and the end of the Renaissance festivals, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, most of them. A lot of times, if it's in city limits, then we uh, we don't get permission to do that. But permission to do that. I permission. I don't make the rules. If I made the rules, the Ren Fairs would accept silver and gold and copper and. Permission to shoot off a cannon. That's where I draw the line in the sand right there, buddy. Well, if we don't have permission to shoot off the cannon and we shoot it off anyway, then they're going to take away our permission to serve alcohol, and then we won't make any money. (laughs) But if they take away our cannons, (laughs) how are we going to shoot the tanks? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can still have cannons. We We just can't fire them. It's very interesting. Nobody brings that up in the in the gun control debate. It is perfectly legal to own a cannon. I think more people should have cannons. You know, in the in the War of eighteen twelve, the cannons that were used to defend Washington D.C. were one hundred percent privately owned. Did you know that? I did not. True story. Absolutely true. Privately owned cannons were taken up into the hills around Washington, D.C. and used to shell Washington, D.C. while the British troops were occupying the city. And those were all private cannons. And I think today more people should own cannons. More people should make their own cannons in their garages and buy and sell cannons at um, uh, at, at, at gun, uh, what are you, gun and knife shows? <laughs> Did I ever pro- tell you the story about uh, a particular Renaissance festival? I, I wasn't doing it at the time, um, but I have done it since. They, they, the, the, the main cannoneer, cannoneer guy who shoots the cannon was uh, uh-huh. sick out that day or, or something, wasn't there. And so the apprentice cannon people uh, were, yeah, cannoneer, were in charge of firing the cannon for the morning to signal that the fair was open and they had heard that if you put sand in the cannon that makes a louder boom which it does what you do is you take a little piece of paper and you put the sand in it and you twist up the paper and you put it in and it makes a bigger boom but they didn't do that Um, they loaded the cannon and then they poured sand into the front of it Oh no! poured it full of sand and then they lit it and that kind of creates a pipe bomb. Oh, no. And so the cannon exploded. Wow. And, uh, and it took out a couple people's booths. And I think it I think it hurt some people, but not, like, seriously. Just sort of scraped people up a little bit. But, yeah, it was pretty bad. Wow. So the lesson is don't pour a cannon full of sand and then shoot it off. No. <laughs> and also the lesson is don't let the apprentices fire off the cannon without supervision. Holy moly. <laughs> oh, I, I retract my earlier statement. Not everyone should have a cannon. <laughs> Not everyone should own a cannon. <laughs> oh, my. Responsible cannon ownership. Uh, the uh, the uh, CNA, the cannon... Uh, no, no, the... Uh, let's see. The, I was trying to make an NRA joke. NRA is National Rifle Association. So it would be the NCA, National Cannon Association. 
<laughs> the National for, for responsible Association recommends. Yeah, not... responsible canon ownership. So yeah. Anyway, uh, so before the break, we were talking about: Is it possible to have corporations in an anarcho society? Aha. And of course, the key in all of this is voluntary cooperation. And is aggression used? Is the fist of the state in any way used to support the thing? Is 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 it in existence because of aggression? Or will it exist if you remove the aggression? So theoretically, you could have it wouldn't necessarily be called a corporation. Right. Well, I but, think the key is to remember what makes a corporation different from a business. Because a business can be owned by multiple people. But a corporation yeah, is incorporated. And that makes it its own private separate entity that um, waives any individuals within the corporation from responsibility for the corporation. And that, I think, is the key, because that's where the state comes in. The state says, well, you're a corporation, so if you pollute the environment, you individually, says, uh, individually as owners of the corporation have no responsibility. Liability. Yeah, liability. Right. Um, right. But I think without that, then it doesn't matter if there's a huge business with 15, 20 owners, 100 owners, because each individual owner is liable for what that business does. Yeah, and that's the key. That's what the state changes in the in the in in the um, in the mix. It 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 provides aggression to say that the fist of the fist of the state will protect this corporation if the corporation does something like what GE did, where they dump you know hundreds of tons of pollutants into a river and permanently destroy the uh, the uh, um, the environment of the river and the government has to come in and use tax money to clean up that river like the Hudson River like GE actually did or like at uh, Love Canal where corporations polluted this area and then sold it to the local um, school board for like $1 an acre or something like that and then knowingly knowing that they were sitting on a toxic waste dump the school board built a school on top of it and and other contractors came in and built uh, low income housing on top of this to toxic waste dump and then all of those corporations were protected from their liability because the fist of the government said um, no, you can't sue them. You can't do anything about this. You have no retaliation against them whatsoever. And now tax money is going to go in and clean this mess up. Yep. So it's it's the aggression of the government in protecting the 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 um, uh, the corporation. It's not um, it's not the fact that people get together and form a, a, a some type of a voluntary association where they can uh, use um, the division of labor in a way that they can be more successful than someone who is not using the division of labor. That's not the issue. The issue is the, the aggression of government that makes the corporation possible. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about that before because there are a number of things that are, when present in a free market society, good, that the state can create um, religion is a good example of this. Religion is fine. Religion is totally acceptable. Religion mixed with the state is unacceptable and, and is twisted and evil. And 
um, you know, banking and banks are good, but when corrupted by the state are evil. And even government, government is okay. Government is good. Government is a tool that can be used by the free market. But when it is corrupted by the state, it's no longer usable and no longer um, acceptable. And, and again, that's based on voluntarism. A mm-hmm. government, uh, you know, the uh, the Eagles Club has a government. The Rotary Club has a government. Um, you know, uh, the the um, uh, I- any particular voluntary association has a governing body that uh, you know they figure out one way or the other how they're going to do stuff how who's going to be the treasurer who's going to be the secretary all that is acceptable government because none of it is based on aggression none of it is based on force it's all voluntary association mm-hmm. that's that's fine that works very well you know humans i think sometimes anarchists in particular can fall into this idea that you know humans need to be self-sufficient and humans need to be um you know, you need to take this idea of self-ownership to the extreme to where you are entirely non-reliant on other people, and that is just not logical. Human beings are social creatures. Human beings need other people. We need to interact um, within a community and within a social support group, but that, we need that's to do the division it voluntarily. Of labor. Yeah. That's the division of labor. We can two two hands are stronger than one, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and the the biblical phrase is a three cord uh, a three cord rope is hard to break because um, with the when multiple people work together voluntarily to accomplish a deed, uh, the the load is he- is easier on everyone, and you get more done. And because of the division of labor, you're able to I- enrich everyone in that. But it has to be based on voluntarism. Yeah, yeah. Without voluntarism, the whole thing falls apart. You know, our friend over at uh, Muslims for Liberty, uh, Will Coley, um, he has done a tremendous amount of work talking about Sharia law. Mm-hmm. And if you say if you say Sharia law in you know in proper company in America, then uh, people immediately think of some kind of government mandated uh, thing where they beat you with canes and the women have to wear shrouds and uh, women are treated like worse than dogs and it, you know it's a horrible thing it's a terrible thing this horrible Sharia law and the right wing people are, are constantly the the Bill O'Reillys are constantly fear mongering saying. Oh, they're trying to get Sharia law in America and all this kind of nonsense. But Will Will uh, Coley has done a really good job in explaining that, it, like you were saying about anything, you can have a, you can have a good thing, but once government comes in and interferes with it, the, the once the the concepts of the state, the aggression of the state comes in and takes over, then it's perverted and it's evil and it's distorted. Well, that's the thing with Sharia law. Um, true Sharia law is 100% voluntary. So um, if, let's say, a woman decides that she wants to wear a shroud, then it's her choice to wear a shroud. But if the government says, you're a woman and you have to wear a shroud, that's not Sharia law. Right. That's the aggression of the state. Right. Well, and, and people don't understand much, that. It's very similar to, um, you know... Uh, any other religious um, sect that has specific rules about, you know, dress, nobody says that, oh, well, the fact that there are certain sects of, of rabbis who are never allowed to cut their hair. Well, that's not because 
because the government is mandating that. That's because according to the rules of their society, you're not allowed to cut your hair, you know, and it doesn't matter what that society, um, what, you know, what, if you want to make a society where in order to be part of that society and not be shunned by that society, you have to wear a purple knit stocking cap. Well, uh, okay, you're perfectly fine. If you want to join that society, that's what you got to do. You know, but when you bring in the state and the state says this is what you have to do, otherwise we will we will kill you, we will torture you, we will take your things away, then it becomes immoral. But the act itself is not immoral. Yeah, I would think of um, I talk about them quite a bit, but I would think of the Amish in the same way. You know, if you voluntarily you want to be a part of Amish society then you need to dress in a specific way and you need to behave in a specific way. And within the Amish societies, there are, you know, pretty hard rules. Mm -hmm. and, um, but you don't hear the right-wing nuts like Bill O'Reilly. You don't hear them complaining that, you know, Amish law is going to take over Pennsylvania or Amish law is out of control in Ohio and they're, they're forcing their women to wear this or that or they're forcing the men to ride buggies or whatever. You know, well, of course because not because – the Amish are a Christian sect, and that's not, you know, bigotrous or full of um, racism. Which is what Bill O'Reilly is playing up on. Yeah. You know, that's, that's straight up. There are sects of both Christianity and um, um, Judaism that have similar, if not the same, if not more extreme um, rules than Sharia law do, but because of the fact that they're not Muslim, the, the right-wing people are not bringing it up because, you know, they're not people that you can be racist against. I've always wanted to be in a debate with somebody who's telling me about Sharia law and how evil it is and, and, and how evil it is to force women to wear these, you know, shrouds that cover them from head to toe and all this, and just ask them, have you ever seen a nun? <laughs> well, you know, I my standard response to that, and and it doesn't, you know, I am not the world's most PC person, and I have a tendency to make people angry at me, especially when we're talking about religion, because my simple answer is, have you read your Bible? Because... <laughs> If you're saying that having women cover their hair and dress modestly and all of that, if you're saying that that's wrong, um, you should really read your Bible because it's got some pretty specific things to say on that matter. Um, how about in, um, let's see, I believe it's Leviticus. Oh, man, the number almost came to me. I can't remember. Oh, I shouldn't say a number because because I've got like three different numbers coming into my mind. But I'm pretty sure it's in Leviticus, and it's describing how um, how you know uh, men should not be involved with men, uh, and women should not be involved with women in physical relationships. And then it tells you that you shouldn't uh, in the same context as it tells you that men shouldn't be with men and women shouldn't be with women, it tells you that uh, when you build a house that you have to have a rail around your roof. If you don't have a rail around your roof, then you face the same punishment 
as if a man uh, is with a man or a woman with a woman. And the other thing is that what you really don't want to do is ever have a cotton shirt with um, uh, with mixed with linen and mixed with uh, wool. You, d- you don't want to wear clothing that's mixed, you know, cotton, linen, and wool. You wouldn't want to do that because that would be evil, 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 like having a roof without a rail around it or a man with a woman. I mean a man with a man or a woman with a woman. Man, I think I'm wearing a mixed cotton sweater right now. Well, you're going to have to just you're going to have to go in the backyard and stone yourself. I'm pretty sure there's some rocks back there. Yep, look at I, that. 57% cotton, 28% acrylic. There you go. Well, I'm only 28% center. The next thing you know, you're going to be out there, you know, eating chicken with a with a uh, dipped in an egg. You're going to eat uh, like a piece of chicken dipped in egg and rolled in flour. That that would be just as bad because that's forbidden in the same area. Yeah, or um, or eating a uh, a pepperoni and cheese pizza. Yeah, pepperoni and cheese pizza because uh, what you're doing there is you're mixing the product of the cow the milk uh, with the product of the cow, the meat, and that's not kosher, and um, that's forbidden within the same context as the other evil things that we're talking about here. Well, and also pepperoni is pig, and that's just right out. Oh, is it? Yeah, pepperoni Oh, I I was thinking it was beef. I know. Pepperoni is pig. Yeah. Okay, so here's the the sinful thing would be a a pepperoni um, beef. Beef sausage. (laughs) Yeah, and cheese and mozzarella. That would just poo straight to hell. <laughs> First class okay, so ticket, not even going to wait at the Golden Gates, just right. <laughs> flame out. <laughs> so now that we've completely uh, offended about 40% of our audience, I, I think it's about time we wrap this up. What do you think? I guess so. I mean, you know, that goes back to the same scrutiny, logical fallacies need to look at your beliefs kind of thing. You know, I mean, I have no issues with people saying, you know, my religion has kept up with times and we no longer need that and those were necessary at the time, but they're not necessary now. I have no problems with that. But at the same time, don't yell at other people. Right. You know, because there is that bit in the Bible about, you know, treat other people the way you want to be treated. Yeah, actually, it's a, that's a good thing to end this on, because Jesus said that the whole of the, of the you know, you know the, the Old Testament to, it, to, to a Jew, to a Jew in, in like 1 A.D., or in Jesus' case, like, you know, 38 A.D. or whatever it was, a Jew would have recognized what we call the Old Testament to have been divided up into um, the books of Moses, which was called the Law, and the books of the prophets, um, the law and the prophets, and then there were the songs. So the Old Testament was divided up into into those categories, the law and the prophets and the songs. And Jesus said that the law and the prophets can be summed up in in, in just the simplicity of saying, love your neighbor as yourself and love God with all your heart and your mind. And do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And that sums up the entire thing. That's so, take that. So, so be a voluntarist. Exactly. <laughs> Don't aggress up you know, on people. 
Yeah. He's basically saying, you know, hey, that's fun stuff to read, but here's how the rubber meets the road. And this is where we should go from here on out. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, Kai, anyway. thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Yeah. Well, anyway. <laughs> and now for some. <laughs> the moral so anyway. of the wheel of morality. Turn, turn, turn. Oh, I was thinking of the old fractured fairy tales. Oh, nice. <laughs> All right. Okay, anyway, it's been a pretty good podcast. Th- thanks for coming on the show with me. All right. Uh, talk to you next time. So anyway, thanks for listening today, and remember to visit badquaker.com where liberty is our mission. And don't forget, folks, we have a forum, and we have uh, a growing community there, a lot of discussion. I'm I'm away pretty much. I don't get to get there as often as I would like. I try to drop in when I can. But if you're interested, get over there, get to badquaker.com, get on the forum and um and talk to other listeners. You might you might find some some really interesting people there. Thanks a lot, Kai. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks folks. Goodbye.